let's enter the podcast. Oh yeah. Let's do that thing that we're here to do. (laughs) Oh, I'm so tired. Sorry. (sighs) (laughs) Every time, every time. All right. Three, two, one, go. Yep. (laughs) Shut your mouth, Nathan. Um, (laughs) Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Rule of Cool podcast. My name is Morgan. And my name is Morgan. <laughs> I did that on purpose. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to mess it up one more time. <laughs> okay. For real this time. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Rule of Cool podcast. My name is Morgan. And I'm Nathan. And today, we are going to be talking about one-shots. Again. Again. <laughs> uh, the, our Twitch audience knows this. Um, I botched uh, like a 20-minute segment of our um, podcast today by not recording it. So this is a round two fight. Um, if you, uh, check us out on Twitch, you'll be able to see, uh, the first go at the start of the podcast and a, a whole lot of chaos that, uh, predated that. Um, but this is round two. Maybe uh, it'll be a little cleaner. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, we could hope though. Let's go into what a one shot is. Yeah. So one shots are, um, self-contained games right there there's something where you come to the table friday night saturday night whatever you're doing and you play the entire story through you know the idea of a campaign is that there's multiple story threads and it's this um all these stories that continue and grow and evolve over you know months or years whatever the case may be a one shot is Let's come, let's tell this little encapsulated story and finish it right here tonight. Yeah, and you can use one-shots in a variety of different ways. So if you are trying to cover for a night where, you know, in your main campaign all of your players can't make it, um, that's what uh, Nathan does with his campaign. We usually play on Saturday nights. And if a player or two can't make it, then we'll run a one-shot for funsies. Um, But you can also just, if you don't have a time commitment um, or the ability to make a time commitment to a long campaign, then one-shots are a great way to keep playing but be able to, you know, take one day, play, and then that story is completed. Yeah. Well, and I think that on top of that, it's just a great way to have some some, you know, breaking up to a more serious campaign. If you're playing a campaign and you've had, you know, these like really heavy story beats for multiple sessions in a row and people are, you know, feeling a little, you know, run down from it and such, you can have this time to be like, hey, like next week we're going to run a one shot and like uh, everyone's going to play a duck and, you know, do something, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Something yes. silly. Just something <laughs> funny that's like, like, hey, like, uh, every single one of our players and the DM literally cried in last week's session. 
uh, let's all just laugh this week. (laughs) (laughs) It can be a fun way to break it up and just say like, hey, like we are telling this really like dramatic and serious story with each other and we're all really enjoying that. Um, But why not have a little bit of just straight up fun? Yeah. Um, And then like on top of that, uh, I think that for players um, and even DMs too, it's like uh, one shot is a great like testing ground, right? Where mm-hmm. if you're a player and like you're a barbarian main, uh, Matt, I'm calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like you can be like, hey, le- uh, let me run a uh, wizard or something. Let me have something with spells and like, you know, just try. I've never done that. Let's try to have some fun with that. Or if you're like, you know, hey, I'm going to be starting up this new campaign and I want to play a cleric because I've never played a cleric and I want to see if I would enjoy playing that in this upcoming campaign. Then you can do that just to have those testing grounds. And then the same with the DM. The DM can be like, oh, I'm like, I want to see how, you know, this, you know, certain monster or group of monsters, um, you know, kind of can work together in certain combats um, and kind of test things out a little bit so that, um, you kind of have a little bit more of a sense for like, okay, like if I run this dragon, you know, let me run a dragon and fight in this. And then a few sessions later in your main campaign, you have a little bit more experience of like, Oh, like I know how to run a dragon. I knew what was, what worked and didn't work in that last Mm -hmm. thing. Um, and have a little bit of fun that way. Yeah. And the beauty of one shots is you can either completely create a one shot from your own ideas you can branch off a one shot off of your campaign that you have or you can go to sites like dm's guild and find a ton a ton of resources on there um full adventures and one shot adventures that if you like nathan said say you're a dm and you want to run a dragon just to see how it's going to feel like if you try and run one in your own campaign. You can go and you can search one-shots with dragons and be able to play that one-shot, test it out, see how you like it. Um, You can really do that with any character because no matter what character or monster or fiend or anything you're looking at, you will find it there. Well, and that's what's cool about things like you know, not even talking about like monsters or things like that. Um, say you're like developing a um, campaign or, a, you know, even just a one shot that's murder mysteries or um, political intrigue. You can go on a resource like that and find some one shots um, or even campaigns to read over. But if you want to do one shots, I think it's a great opportunity to say like, cool, I want to incorporate this like murder mystery thing into my campaign. Um, So let me find a one shot that's, you know, murder mystery esque and go run it with, you know, some of my friends that aren't in my game. Right. You know, this is, I think that sometimes me and Morgan are in a uh, very lucky position to have a lot of Mm -hmm. friends who can play D and D with us that if we wanted to run a one shot, that isn't with the people we plan on playing a campaign with, it would be pretty easy. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that's not the case for everybody, but uh, you know, if that's something that's available to you, if you can get online and say like, Hey, I need three people to just sign up and run a one shot. Give me four hours of your time. 
And mm-hmm. like you could, I, I can almost guarantee you that you can find that. Um, post in our server. I will connect you with people. I will send you into to other Discord servers and things where you will find people to play with you. Um, yeah. You know, like there, that is definitely something that, that can be done and it can give you that chance to say, okay, like now I have like this pre-made idea of like murder mystery and I got a sense for like, you know, how to run that a little more and like now I can homebrew it more into my actual game with my character, you know, my main campaign characters. Um, and again, just have, again, those like testing grounds that like, okay, let's like try something out, see mm-hmm. how it goes and has still have a good time doing it by playing a one shot. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the thing about it is one shots can really be a great tool for you, both as a player and as a DM. Um, Random person H2O says it can also be fun to experiment with story ideas for future campaigns through one shots, which you just talked about, or run something in the world before you get the characters that are going to be affecting it even get there. Um, So, for example, I am going to be running a campaign. um, I've named it Quelm Questing Academy. And I had a one shot that was similar world, um, similar mechanics and had some of my friends run through that to see you know is this fun is this something that they're going to be interested in is this something that's going to work and they had a lot of fun and now I'm developing it into a full campaign like I took my idea and I made it a one shot they liked it they enjoyed it and so now I'm running with it making it a full big thing yeah well and I think that that's something that is it is really a benefit of a one shot is being able to test anything out. I mean, there's as a player, you can test out a race, a class, certain spells. You want to see how it work as a DM. You can test out a whole world. You can test out different monsters. You can test out NPCs and maybe you want to throw some magic items at those characters so that they can like, fool around with those and you go okay like that homebrew item Mm -hmm. i made is kind of op let me tone it down and then give it to my main campaign characters so let's talk about how to prepare and run a one shot as a dm yeah so i think like as a dm the main thing to do if you're preparing a one shot that is um you know there's a little bit more help to that if you're getting something pre-made um, from somewhere like DM Skilled, you're going to be able to go, okay, like this already knows kind of p- a pacing a little bit and like mm-hmm. has the not too many things where it's going to take too long. Um, but especially if you're developing something based on your own thoughts and plans, you need to make sure that like you put all of the story into the one session. So, you know, usually if you're planning a campaign as a DM, you're working on creating this whole, okay, I'm going to drop like this little nugget here and then they're not going to hear about that for like four more sessions and then I'm going to drop like another nugget. You need to make sure that like each encounter like continually progresses the story, doesn't feel like it's wasting time because you've only got so long to kind of complete a story and then make sure at the end there's the opportunity for um, resolution to be had. 
the number one thing is, you know, obviously you having that resolution, but the players need something to look forward to. Um, so, you know, completing the mission, the story, whatever it is, that's, you know, a thing in and of itself. But, you know, one-shots are there to have fun and to mess around. And it's really cool when you're like, okay, so you're in the dragon's lair. You killed the dragon. There's an egg. The egg hatches. You have a baby dragon pet now. Or you found the horde, and it has, like, these three really cool, like, very rare magic items um, that you can now use for the rest of the one-shot. Like, little things that, you know, would be a little crazy to put in your main campaign. But, you know, since you're in one-shot world, you can kind of just do any of those crazy things, like high-level magic items or, you know, cool weapons. Yeah. Well, and I think that, like, when you're playing a one-shot, as long if it's going to really just be a one-shot, why not, you know, if your characters are going to buy into the story, why not say at the end of this adventure you're going to get this crazy legendary artifact? I mean, you're not going to play the characters again. You're not going to break your game <laughs> by giving them a bajillion gold, right? Right. Like, hey, Jimothy, like, if you finish this, I'll give you a thousand gold. They're level <laughs> one. He's like, hell yeah, I'm totally in for that. You know, when that, that rogue is like, what's in it for me? Like, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, oh, you want you want the king's crown? The king will give you his crown. Go, <laughs> go do the adventure and have fun. Um, But, yeah, I think that, like, you know, having... It's a little bit more work sometimes in a one shot um, to have a more enticing goal, um, something that's going to draw them in where they're like, oh, I really do want to do this. Um, but like, you know, being able to talk to the characters about what they're interested in, um, what that character might find as an interest. And like, maybe you've got some people that are like really good hearted adventurers and you're like yeah the big bad dude just like killed six kids in front of you like you probably want to stop him right like yeah <laughs> you know things like that like that's a little bit of an extreme but trying to go Anakin. with like yeah trying to you know maybe you guys are all part of like a you know adventuring guild kind of thing right and you're like longtime taskmaster um was killed and now you've got to like seek out who did it like, you know, giving them that reason that's like, oh, like, even if I don't know these characters very well, it's my first time playing them, like, my character would be committed to, like, finding, you know, vengeance and justice for this person that they, you know, have spent a lot of their lives with. Yeah, and it's also, you know, we talked about using one-shots for, like, testing story mechanics and things like that, but it's also a great way to just incorporate things that you love into a short game because I've played one shots that were like Star Wars themed and Lord of the Rings themed and like different you know you guys played a Scooby-Doo one shot like things that bring in your favorite pop culture stuff to just screw around with for a couple hours and like be in that world of your favorite movie or TV show 
Yeah. And, you know, as far as getting to play in a one shot, it's, I love making one shot characters. Um, it, like we said earlier, it's a great time to branch out and play characters that you don't normally play. Um, I don't normally play druids, but I tried a druid because, you know, why not? Um, found out it's not for me, but that's okay. Although, which we're going to be talking about it a little later, um, but Tasha's Cauldron came out with some really good class, uh, class stuff. And the Circle of Stars Druid, that might make me play a Druid. <laughs> like, that looks sick. Um, but when you're preparing a character for a one-shot, you can really just do bare bones. Um, like, enough to get the feel of your character, like yeah. what their attitude is, um, how they act, little things that they do, like little quirks. Um that will help you play the character, you know, it will help you know how to interact with people and how to react to certain things, but you don't have to go buck wild on a backstory. Um, unless, unless the DM is like, Hey, this is a homebrew one shot. And I really need to know, like if you have anything in your background, then like you just, you know, some short-term goals, you know? Yeah. Make a killing blow or make friends with somebody. Something like that. Um, successfully do a skill that you don't normally, like, successfully do. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, when you're not worrying about large story beats, it takes a little bit of that pressure off of yourself to just say, like, okay, like, who's my character on a base level? And I think that this is something that can also help like develop your skills as a player um, into bigger campaigns of like, stop worrying about the, you know, 15 page backstory. Stop worrying (laughs) about these like massive goals for 50 sessions down the road. Like, who am I today? Like, how am I feeling? How does my character think about these situations? If my character encounters someone who's being mean to someone else, how would I react to that? Those are the kind of things to worry about when you're developing a character for a one shot of Mm -hmm. like, nobody's worried about 10 years ago, you, and nobody's worried about 10 years from now, you We're worried about what's happening 10 minutes from now. Like in this moment, how are you going to react when you're in the bar and you see somebody getting into an argument or you're walking down the street and you see somebody, you know, get shanked in an alleyway, right? Like, (laughs) How's how are those kind of things going to impact your character, um, and how are you going to react to them? If one of the other characters doesn't take your ideas, um, are you going to argue with them? Or are you more just going to follow along because that's who your character is? And it kind of develops those moment to moment player skills, um, which I think can even translate over to your um, campaign characters because in campaigns, I think there's a lot of that let's plan for the future. Let's work on bringing the backstory stuff up where you miss some of that moment to moment, like player to player or, you know, DM to player, um, you know, role-playing and interaction where you're, you're outside of your head in the moment. And you may miss that chance to have those like really fun and interesting moments 
where you're like living in the shoes of your character. That's basically it. Like when you're when you're playing in a one shot, it's it's less about why your character is the way they are and more just how they are, you know? Like uh, like we were saying is like that's that's all you need to worry about really. I mean, it's it's nice to have more and more information and such and such. Um, but you don't need all that. You're, you're there to have this concise, fun story. Don't worry about, did my character have a nice childhood? Did he have a best friend when he was four years old? It doesn't, yeah. that doesn't matter. Like don't worry about who that character is in this one day if game time, right. Where it's like four hour session, like maybe they get together in the morning and then by middle of the night, their adventures over and, and, and game time, you know, it's usually that's much more the case when you're talking about, you know, a one shot character and what a one shot is. Yeah. Um, going back to preparing for a one shot, um, as a DM, um, the biggest thing that you would need to work on for one shots is improv. Yeah. Um, you use improv in every game all the time anyways. Um, if you don't, I'm sorry, you're a bad DM. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's just the way Shots it is. Fired. If you're a, if you're a DM that doesn't use improv at all, not one bit ever, then how do your players have fun? We here at Rule of Cool are very much proprietors of the Rule of Cool. If <laughs> if you can come up with something fun, then I I will improv around that to make it happen, no matter what. Um, and in one shots, that level of improv is just ratcheted way up because they have a short amount of time to complete a goal, and you can bet that your players are not going to follow the path that you intended in the first place. Yeah. Well, and yeah, when you, when it's funny, you know, in a campaign, when your players go completely off the rails, you can just let that happen. Right. You can just mm-hmm. like totally roll with it and be like, cool, you're doing whatever you want. Um, but if you can't like on your feet, let them have their fun and also reel them immediately back in to where the story's going in a one shot guess what your three to four hour game is now like seven hours and it's three and four in the morning and everyone's like can can i just hit the thing and it die please (laughs) oh man next time at me nathan (laughs) Uh. (laughs) no that's no i I think i do that more than you Or keep everyone up until the middle of the night. Uh, well, that's what I mean. I'm the one falling asleep saying, can I just hit it and it dies? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that's like, let's keep going. Um, for reference, Nathan is three hours behind me. Um, so for me, currently, it is 7 p.m. And for him, it is 4 p.m. Yeah. Our campaign on Saturday nights start at 6 p.m. his time. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. my time. So when he decides to run the campaign for six hours, it's three o'clock in the morning for me. <laughs> yeah, I try, I've been trying more and more recently to keep it keep it shorter to assist in people not falling asleep. 
Um, yeah, yeah. It's funny, me and, me and uh, uh, Mod Madness were, like, having a conversation about the fact of, like, our game time is, like, honestly really nice for me and him and basically no mm-hmm. one else. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like, 9 o'clock's not a bad time to start playing the game. Um, but, like, for him, he's he's in uh, Australia, Adelaide time. Adelaide? Did I say it? Yeah. Okay. I was like, I read it more than I've ever said it. I was like, hopefully I'm saying it right out loud in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, uh, he's 18 hours ahead of me, I think it is, when we talked about it. Um, Something like that. From me. And so, like, when we play, it's, like, 6 for me, which is, like, nice evening time. And it's, like, next day, like, noon or 1230, I think it is for him or something. So it's, like, the middle of the day. He's no worried. Everyone else, it's, like, 9 to, you know, middle of the night. Um, one of our players is actually four hours ahead of us, uh, ahead of me, and one hour ahead of most of our Eastern time people. And, like, so when it's, like, two, three for the, you guys, it's, like, three, four for her. And I'm Isn't just, that uh, Gilbert? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's. I, very, I don't want to dox her, but her character name is Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. So it's very funny that, like, yeah, me and Matt are just chilling, like, this is a great time. What are you guys talking about? And everyone's like, oh, okay, I'm going to be done. <laughs> Usually, not to not to call him out uh, by name, but uh, Zephyr in our game, he's usually always at the very, like, that last half hour yeah. of session, he's always... As much as you guys make fun of me for falling asleep during the campaign, I feel like he dozes off more than I do. <laughs> no, I feel like he might doze off, but he always comes back. Morgan always just flat out falls asleep. And there's no waking me up for anything. No, usually um, we're all like... <laughs> and I, I fall response. asleep with my headphones on. It does yeah. not wake me up. Um, but with that being said, <laughs> you don't want your one shot to run so long that by the end of it, people are just exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> like, because then that's not fun. Um, you want people to be able to start and finish the story with just as much adrenaline as they did when they were creating their character. You need to be able to use the improv to take the chaos that your characters are going to bring, redirect it in a seamless fashion right back into the story. Cause you can't have them go off for like an hour and a half or like, guess what? You just added an hour and a half to your whole session. Yeah. You only got so long to bust out a one shot. You can't leave it on. Hey, don't worry, but we'll pick this up next week. Like your campaign. You have to think about the fact that if you do extend it out of a one shot, you're going to have to, figure out when to play again because this was supposed to be a one-shot everyone signed up for a one-shot no one knew they were going to be playing again so you've got to be able to think about those things and bring it back in and say hey okay like cool you want to do the little bit of chaos you want to go punch that dude you saw down the street uh (laughs) cool you walk down there you hit him he he knocks out you know let him have that fun let him do what they want to do but be like cool let's tie this all back in graham uh graham gibbard says take an improv class i did 10 classes for 500 dollars. it was fun and helpful yes yes definitely definitely if you have the chance to take classes to improve your skills um it's worth it and you, listen this is coming from somebody who has a bachelor of fine arts degree in theater but those skills are so valuable. Yeah. And you can use them outside of D&D. Um, I think that's part of the reason why I, not to like brag, 
But I think that's one of the reasons that I can like hold conversations really well. And I can start conversations and pick up topics and things um, because I've had those classes and I've had not only improv, but a ton of other communications and language and speaking and all of that. And it helps a lot. It helps a lot in social situations and it helps a lot in DMing. <laughs> I don't know why I find it so funny that you're just like, not to brag, but it made me awesome. Well, I'm not trying to brag, but I am awesome. So <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really is helpful. And if that's something, if improv is something that you struggle with, there are tons of resources. Just Google improv classes. There's some people that do it for free. There's some people where you have to pay a little bit of money for it. But, like, it's invaluable for everyday life and DMing. Yeah, I don't have too much else on the one-shot topic. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those topics, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say that we're, like, we phoned this on in, but, like, we also, like, threw this, to uh, you know, um, poll out very last minute with, because uh, last uh, weekend we had recorded our... Um, extra life charity stream and then we had a middle of the week podcast recording um which is already live we recorded wednesday morgan edited thursday and it went live on friday i edited until two in the morning and then posted it to upload at 6 a.m it was a great time yeah so um, it was a uh, very much one well, yeah so th- we and then yeah had this Friday decided like okay we need to pull for today's stream so it's been a little bit of a uh, a hectic and you know show notes I did <laughs> last night slash this morning so yeah I'm exhausted but I love it um that's the life we're living <laughs> let's talk about Thomas Cauldron and everything um. Today's segment is D&D News. Um, Tasha's Cauldron came out. It's amazing. I love it. A lot of people, uh, there's a lot of controversy about some things in it, but I personally love it. I'm excited about it. About I love... Awesome. What? Controversy about it being awesome. Yeah, there's just some people that are upset with some of the things that are in there because, you know, um, I, I was actually talking to... Uh, mod mayhem about circle of spores and how like you couldn't use it in adventure league even though it was published in ravnica but you couldn't use ravnica in adventures league and now they published it in tasha's so you can use it in adventure league yeah. and a lot of people are upset about that um there's also a lot of people upset about like saying that it's all like this like pc kind of like you know thing and like I- i've seen some of that on the internet and i'm like can we just stop having those people in the community? <laughs> right. Can we right. stop complaining I, that this I, is from a woman's point of view? It cannot be done by now. <sighs> I hate gatekeeping. Yeah. I hate it. Official rule of cool podcast stance. Gatekeeping bad. Gatekeeping bad. If you gatekeep, get out of here. <laughs> we don't want get you. <laughs> I'm cutting that into the soundboard. I haven't cut anything. I keep saying that I'm going to put things into the soundboard and not. I'm putting that one into the soundboard because your voice like cracked too. It was perfect. Get out of here. 
<laughs> Rude. Um, yeah. So <laughs> there are there are a ton of things that I'm super excited about, and we can touch on a couple of them. But Nathan and I have each picked a section of the book that we personally really like. Um, yes, yeah, a big book. We could we could talk about it for like. <laughs> More than the time we have oh, to do a podcast, but forever. That's I, was like, I, we were I definitely. Oh. <laughs> Dang it! Sorry. <laughs> we're both. We're doing it. We're too excited. We can't control it. Yeah, I can't. We each picked a part of the book that we really love, and um, we will go through again, um, and talk about more things, especially the new class features, um, and new classes and. Things that you can do, uh, new classes, not specific, but like subclasses, because um, they're awesome. I love the Bard subclass, College of Eloquence. I've been using it now; it's official. I'm excited. Um, also, the Circle of Stars Druid I talked about earlier that looks super cool. And I don't play druids, but I would play the Circle of Stars. Um, yeah, Nathan, what's your part of the book that you're going to talk about? I, I, I have something I want to talk about, but I just want to put this out there real quick. I really want to see D&D officially come out with, like, an entirely new race. I feel like that would be cool. Because they've made, yeah. like, other things, playable races that already exist. But, like, I don't know. I feel like there's always new classes and subclasses. But this is very random. But I'm just, I want to see, like, them be like, guess what? Dwarf 2.0. I, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't have an idea for something, but just like, I don't know. That's my. That's I my, want my random. I thoughts. want to play a guinea pig, literal guinea pig. I mean, you can. I'm sure. I, well, here's the thing with Tasha's Cauldron, you can play sidekicks as heroes. So <laughs> you play, know, there's that play as your guinea pig sidekick as your hero. Yeah. <laughs> can we have an? Can um, we have an adventure? That mixes my topic, group patrons, segue, you see what I did there? Um, mm-hmm. With with that, where you're all, uh, everyone is a um, a guinea pig that follows around their, like, uh, <laughs> their, like, leader, and he's their group patron, and... <laughs> yes. But everyone's yes. a little guinea pig, and they, like, the guy just, like, is a guinea pig wrangler. <laughs> guinea pig wrangler. I like it. Uh, but yeah, like I said, my the topic that I decided to talk about um, for today is uh, something I thought was really cool to see officially kind of talked about and put into a um, D&D book is group patrons. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, um, patrons, like when you talk about a patron, it's kind of like usually referred to as like um, for like the warlock class. Um, it's basically like, uh, someone that the adventurers, um, pledge themselves to in a way, you know, whether that's by like, you know, some like ancient power religion thing, or just like, uh, a promise of work and, you know, loyalty, um, kind of that, yeah. Pledging yourself to gain something from it. Um, I don't know. I didn't look up the official definition of patron, but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of what the idea is. And the idea of a group patron is that you'd be able to play with, you know, so you have your five players, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and all of them have this same patron. And this is, this can be, you know, the Cthulhu-esque, you know, ancient deity, right? Or this can be, and they have quite a few examples in Tasha's of um, these different kinds of things. And you can expand on these and make things your own. But like the examples that they have in the book are academy, ancient being, aristocrat, criminal syndicate, guild, military force, religious order, and sovereign. Um, And I I think that those are awesome. Like you talk about um, the idea of religious order or ancient being, right? That being the very warlocky kind of situation. Um, But why not be all dedicated to a adventuring guild where you guys are all sent out together to do things for this? Um, or a criminal syndicate. Maybe you're part of the mob and you're all sent out to do hits for the mob. Um, you know, things like that that are very specific. And this gives people that are part of this group patron these extra abilities um, and skills and things like that. Um, yeah, when you talk about things like, uh, for example, here they have the academy as one of the examples. And they talk about the perks that you might get being compensation, uh, being able to be paid for the work that you're doing. Or one great thing is documentation. Something that's really beneficial about being part of like a big group like this is say you go to a town and like, you know, people don't want you, they're confused about why you're doing these shady things. You can be like, Oh, actually, sorry, I'm part of this organization. That's the whole reason I'm here. And they're like, you know, then you maybe, okay, now I'll give you advantage on like a persuasion check to not get arrested or things like that. <laughs> um, it it kind of adds those, those extra things. And then there's different examples in here of like um, more tangible skill-based and stat-based like adjustments that you can make, like giving yourself um, proficiency on, you know, certain things. For like this, for the Academy one, you know, perhaps like history or Arcana or things like that. Um, And I think that this is just something that's really cool to be able to have these different, different kind of, yeah, like group ideas. We, we, I think we've actually talked about this before of the idea of having like everyone be part of one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about like the group of barbarians (laughs) in in the game of barbarians, all the rage. The game of barbarians. It's all the rage. Um, <laughs> and uh, having having this kind of be given as like an example of and talked about in this game and in the game officially, it, it, I think is really cool. And giving you ideas on, you know, possibly even homebrewing some of your own stuff about, okay, like I want to have this school and these everyone's an adventurer from the school or mm-hmm. um, they had like the military force, right? Of cool. You guys are all soldiers. You're like an elite unit of soldiers from the, you know, King's army. Like you're out trying to do special tasks for, you know, your, your nation, um, different cool stuff like that. Um, and then, I'll just point out, I'm not going to sit here and read all of them. There was a, I got to find it again, but one that was very funny. I, I was, when I was reading the, um, through the whole patron group patron section of the book, um, there's all these little notes from Tasha, which are yeah. very hilarious. Um, Morgan They're already great. sent me the best one in the whole book. 
when we mm-hmm. originally decided to talk about, um, you know, about the book as our segment today. I don't know if Morgan wants to, Morgan's the one that showed it to me, so she wants to, to oh, read it to y'all. Yes. So in, in Tasha's Culture of Everything, there is a section called Session Zero. And this is something that we've talked about before. And I will just preface this by saying a lot of, like, the rules and things, um, like, ways to use this book listed in Tasha's Cauldron is everything that we've been saying on a Rule of Cool podcast for the last 11 episodes. Um, and it's really cool to look at that and be like, hey, that's what we talk about. That's what we preach to the choir. Um, but my personal favorite was on the Session Zero chapter. Establish boundaries. And if anyone crosses them, speak up. If they don't listen, there's always cloud kill. <laughs> it was very, yeah. very funny because it was just like, I'm pretty sure in so many words we have basically said this without without the mention of cloud kill. Um, right. We've just said establish boundaries and if they cross them, murder their character. <laughs> or throw a book at them from across the or table. Or throw a book at them. <laughs> now um, you could throw Tasha's cauldron. Yeah. It would be perfect because then it lands uh, on the ground next to their head as they're bleeding out. And it (laughs) magically through uh, the power of Tasha flips open to that page. (laughs) Right. Or if you're like me and you have all the books digitally, um, I have the D&D Beyond app, not a sponsor. But if, hey, if you want to sponsor us, (laughs) um, not a sponsor. But I have the D&D Beyond app on my phone, which is super cool because I have access to every book in my phone. So I could just throw my phone at their head and you know what it depends I, on whatever how hard their head is i don't know if i'd want to risk my phone on someone's head that's true um but I, true. I thought i wanted to go back to my favorite one that i saw in here i kind of have two but my favorite one i i really was laughing at last night was uh i've never had much interest in ruling partly because titles sound so stuffy but which queen has a lovely ring to it, don't you think? <laughs> That's for the like sovereign patron. And then the other one that was very funny to me was uh, the military force one. Um, this one has really got me cracking up because it's just so ridiculous. The whole machine of war is barbaric. In a sane world, conflicts would be resolved by contests of apocalyptic magics or by continent reshaping brawls between titanic soul field reptiles you know reasonable options <laughs> dude I, I just that was so funny to me this continent reshaping brawls between titanic soul field reptiles you know reasonable options <laughs> i was reading that last night and i was like yes i just love the idea that like she's like people fighting each other in a war stupid but like massive apocalyptic magics and yeah it's just very funny that like and i know that's the whole point of it you know the whole joke but it just really cracked me up last night when i was reading that shout out to this book because there's lots of things like that that are (laughs) um and you know it's something that they started doing and i i don't honestly know um i've never i don't own all the books and things from like older editions um i'm pretty pretty set in fifth edition um i do own some non-fifth edition stuff but i've not played Mm -hmm. it heavily enough to know if this was something they did more in older editions but i've really enjoyed 
these books being, you know, considered to be written by, you know, certain, you know, Mordecainen's tomophones being written by Mordecainen and, you know, the mm-hmm. um, Xanathar's Guide to Everything being like written by Xanathar, you know, different things like that, I think is really fun. Um, and I, it, it, it's a shout out to, you know, the production of these books that like there's these very interesting and fun things where like the information is being shared in the book, but there's kind of this commentary from the person that's like putting the book together is I think very cool and very fun that, you know, Wizard of the Coast has done. I love it because I feel like I radiate Tasha energy. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I just like, like you said, a lot of people are like, Oh, a woman narrating the book. I'll fight you. Also this, like there's at the top of this, uh, section i'm on dnd beyond so i don't know if it's actually like this in the book if it's but like at the top of this whole section dnd beyond of group patrons there's this badass artwork um mm-hmm. of tasha with like all these people bowing before her, and it's like a group of yeah. wizards pledges themselves to their patron tasha the witch queen and like i mean get it queen <laughs> yes like yes. i was like i saw that i was like this is badass artwork and it has these the little red caps i'm pretty sure is what they are um, and like all these wizards bowed before them, it's like badass looking. If you, if you guys get the chance, check it out. It is very cool. Like I love a lot of the artwork that's done for you know official, you know D and D content, but this one is uh stood out to me a little bit. We yeah. we, we don't lie over here. We're real cool. We simp for Tasha all day. <laughs> oh, absolutely simp for Tasha. Hundred percent. Um, <laughs> my part of the book that I'm going to talk a little bit about is the puzzles. Yes. I love puzzles. If you've ever played a one shot with me, I have had a puzzle in there. Um, I like coming up with puzzles. I like running puzzles. I like playing puzzles myself. Um, and so there's a whole big section with. 13, I believe. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13 puzzles they included in Tasha's Cauldron. Um, so, personally, I make a lot of puzzles myself. I think it's a lot of fun. I like it. But other people um, don't have time for it or they just don't like to. It's not something that's enjoyable to them. They prefer to run it for somebody. Um, so, I thought it was really cool that they included 13 examples of like varying difficulty of puzzles uh, to include in your games. And they are relatively like none of them have a specific theme, I guess I could say. Basically, you can run any of these puzzles in any campaign anywhere. Um, none of them are specific to a campaign or um, a module or anything like that. But one of my favorite things is in the very beginning of this chapter, uh, the question, why use puzzles, is posed. And a lot of people, you know, like, like I've said before, they just play smash and grab games or they play like very heavy role playing. And puzzles can take an intense moment and like break it up. Let them breathe, let them figure something out. Or it can take 
a like calm moment and ratchet up the intensity. Like they have to solve this puzzle before this time runs out or something bad will happen. Yeah. Um, so Tasha's Cauldron says you might add a puzzle to an adventure for any of the following reasons to encourage a party to discover information through teamwork to provide an opportunity for characters to use their skills in uncommon ways to make a setting feel more whimsical, mysterious, or otherworldly. To explain why no one has ever discovered something hidden close at hand. Or to reveal a secret no one knows and magic can't reveal. I I like that. I like that. Because a lot of people are like, oh, puzzles, it's just, you know, to reveal a hidden wall and then you move on from, like, the dungeon or whatever. And puzzles can be used for so much more than that. Like... Say there's a password to a tavern that you need to get into to question somebody. Well, there's a puzzle in the alleyway that you can solve to find out what the password is. So then you can go use that password to get into the tavern and talk to the person you need to talk to. Um, And that's something that you can throw at your characters to really just, instead of, okay, go to the tavern, talk to this dude. It becomes, all right, you have to figure out how you're going to get in there because it's not as easy as you thought it was going to be. Um, I like I like challenge. I like I like challenging my players and being challenged when I'm playing a game. Um, I don't like everything handed to me, so puzzles are fun. Um, yeah, and I think it, the cool thing about puzzles is that breaking up the monotony. It's like, you know, because if you, if you look at D&D in this very base form, it's a series of encounters that tell a story. So like uh, whether it's role playing or a fight, whatever the case may be, it's a role playing encounter, right? It's a fight encounter. It's, you know, these different things that are like these blocks of point A, point B, point C, point Z that lead you all the way to Z. Right. And being able to say, okay, you've got five encounters that are going to happen in this. The first one's a role play and then the last one's the final battle that resolves, right? Um, you know, the three points that are in the middle of that, if it goes battle, 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 starts to feel like slog, slog, slog. Mm-hmm. I just, I hit, I hit, I hit, it dies. I hit, I hit, I hit, it dies. I, You know, it kind of gets to that, like, very repetitive feeling. And being able to, and I'm not saying always drop one, like, in the middle of, you know, two battles. You can have three battles in a row, but then... Why not the final room? You've got to solve a puzzle to get into. It's not just like, okay, we we rolled dice well enough that we hit this thing a whole bunch of times and it died and now I get to move on. It's like, oh, like let's take this moment and kind of have people struggle for a minute to solve this puzzle. Yeah, and another thing that I love is it also says like just below that, remember, most puzzles don't need to be solved immediately. And they might be all the more satisfying if their riddles linger unresolved for multiple sessions. Which, the fact that, like, they could happen upon a super hard puzzle and then think about it, think about it, think about it, they can't solve it. They go, they take care of some other business, they come back, think about it, think about it, think about it. They got a little bit farther this time, didn't quite hack it. Go out, do something else, come back. And finally, you know, like the third session in, they've gotten a lot of crap done 
And they finally come back and they're like, all right, well, we didn't know what to do the first time. The second time we got a little bit farther. But after we went out and did this thing, we got some information. And that is going to be the key to solving this puzzle. And to kind of draw it out like that is so cool. Um, Because then it's not something that your players have to get over and be done with. It's something that, you know that becomes an obstacle for them to have to move on, to have to find something else. Um, That's a good way to barrier someone because sometimes in a campaign, someone wants to go on the main quest all the time. They always want to follow the main quest. And sometimes you have to finish a side quest before you can continue with the main quest. And if they keep trying to push forward and you need them to finish this other thing, drop a hard-ass puzzle in there and say, you know, the answer to this puzzle is in that side quest. The answer's um, not always kind of a locked them. door because then you've got that one dude that has knock and then you're just screwed. <laughs> exactly. Um, which is also another really cool thing. Um, so there, like I said, are 13 different puzzles. Um, and it all lists, it lists the difficulty it gives you like a little blurb to read about the puzzle. Um, gives you the features, the solution, and also gives you hint checks. So if your players are struggling with something, then, for example, on this first puzzle, it's called Creature Paintings. And I'm obviously not going to read all of it because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But... Um, It says, you know, any character has the option of making these ability checks to receive a hint. If a character makes an intelligence investigation check, DC 10, the character deduces the number of creatures in a painting is important. And then if they get like, you know, so that's if they meet 10. If they get like a 20 or higher, then they know the number of creatures in a painting is important and that number... Um, refers to the creature's name, and they should look at that. Um, so it gives you so many different tools to be able to build. This is something we talked about with our topic today, right, of one-shots, is using um, these kind of pre-made things if you go on DMs Guild and find a one-shot and using those ideas to shape your own one-shot. Um you know, this is one of the things that, you know, they can't put every puzzle that they could ever make into one book. I mean, they could, yeah. but not with everything else that's packed into this book. Um, so they put all these things here, and it, it lets you kind of think like, oh, I can apply these ideas to my own puzzle. Oh, these hint check ideas. Okay, like yeah. this certain skill would relate to getting a hint about this thing, and then you apply that to your own puzzle. Um, and I think that that's awesome of like using this, these ideas that are in this to go, oh, this is like, I could just cut and paste this and use mm-hmm. it, or I can alter it or use it to do my own complete homebrew puzzle. At the end of every puzzle, it tells you how you can customize it for your own campaign. Like example for the painting, the creature paintings, customizing the puzzle. You can replace the monsters in the artwork with distinctive objects, members of obvious professions, and anything else that might logically be in a group. Then follow the letter counting method and determine how many subjects should feature in each piece of art. 
So, you know, in in this particular example, it has like ghouls, trolls, um, beholders, bugbears. But if you are doing a political intrigue campaign, then it can be portraits of royal like, house the, members. Yeah. Yeah, royal house members or council members or, you know, it could be like if you're doing something like a dungeon crawl, it can be like different troll or um, goblin gangs, like things like that. Okay, so if you have this like Game of Thronesy world, right, like you'll have the Targaryens or something, right? Like you can you can use those things like you know, to say, okay, these things like specifically relate to my world. But there are so many different puzzles. And like we said, each one comes with a like customization guide um, along with, you know, some of them uh, ways to make the puzzle more difficult or less difficult. Um, they have different um, like Floor puzzles, chest puzzles, yeah. wall puzzles. Um, so really anything you need, you can find a variation of a puzzle and complete with handouts in Tasha's Cauldron and also ways to customize it to your campaign. Yeah. And if you're a DM who wants to have a little bit of a break in the middle of your game, uh, throw the really, really hard ones at your party and then let them struggle for two hours and uh, I don't know, take a nap. Get some food. Whatever you feel like doing. <laughs> yeah. Cause, throw uh, in haunted hallway. Are, uh, it does. You don't even have to throw the hard one at him. I mean, let's be honest. Throw the easy one at him. They're going to take two hours to solve it. No matter how hard That's you true. try. No matter That's how, true. Ma- how many hint checks they roll. Um, for some reason. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, I knew that at the end of it. That's how it always goes in puzzles. Like you guys with my puzzle during the drunk D&D campaign. Oh, my gosh. I think dr- drunk D and D campaign is is a s- unique circumstances. No one had their wits about them. Oh sure, uh, <laughs> it was bad. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, go check out Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Um, you can get it on D and D Beyond. Not a sponsor, but um, we love it. It's such an awesome resource. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that like. Uh, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not sure, like I said, they're not a sponsor, I'm not sure I shout them out too hard, but if you get it right now, there's like, um, you get like extra D&D Beyond dice and cool stuff right now, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and uh, you'll be able to access, like I said, all that even from your phone, like Morgan said. It. Uh, yeah. Or, or you can do what I did and have a friend that owns all of the books and then have them share their content with you on D&D Beyond in a campaign. And then uh, you only have to buy, like, two books, and you have access to literally all of them except for Icewind Dale and Mythic Odysseys of Theros. Um, I think those are the only two I don't have access to out of all the source books and compendiums. Um, but, yeah, check out Tasha's Culture and everything. It's it's very cool, and we're probably going to end up talking about it a little bit more because we both oh, absolutely. found a lot of really cool stuff in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if you if you guys haven't already, um, make sure you uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast or um, go ahead or if you're listening to it on the the Twitch stream also, 
go ahead and follow us here on Twitch. We're trying to grow our Twitch audience. Um, that's uh, something we're trying to push for to get us up to 50 followers. We're so close. We're at 44, I believe. Um, yeah, 44 followers. So uh, let's see if uh, we can get six more. That would be awesome. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Twitch.tv slash rule of cool podcast. Uh, super easy. Um, and if you want to listen to the podcast episodes of this, you can find us at ruleofcoolpod.com. Um, and uh, that would be awesome also. We definitely listen to the, the podcast, but um, yeah, follow us here on Twitch. That's that's my big shout out for you guys this week is um, we're, we're really trying to get to that 50 follower mark on Twitch and uh, we're super close. Yeah, we're so excited. To have all of you that are here, we thank everybody that's been supporting us so far. Um, it's been a wild journey. We're 11 episodes in, but we're only going to go up from here. I'm very excited. Getting closer and closer but... to the 100 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> but until next time, this has been an episode of the Rule of Cool podcast. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Escape your life and play pretend with no real consequences. Let's play D&D, you and me, and all of our best friends except that one guy. Let's play D&D, our favorite RPG. Escape